Good morning. This is Sunday Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. With me again is Heim Goodman-Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. He's a math professor at the University of Arkansas. I have some news. I that well, this is kind of a news program. So we're now on the homepage of the Mathematical Association of America, and also, uh, you know, we had Barry Sipra's tag deal puzzle. We had a mm-hmm. terrific response. Lots of great ideas and analysis on our on the podcast webpage, mathfactor.uark.edu. Uh, is that all you have, or, or, or do you have a puzzle for us? No, this? I guess this is a short segment this week. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wanted to talk about the, something really remarkable called the Collitz function. The Collitz function. Yeah, or just – so just uh, pick, a, pick a number, pick a counting number. Uh, 12. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is if you can divide by 2, you divide by 2. And if you can't divide by 2, we'll multiply by 3 and add 1. But so, we can divide 12 by 2. So, And it, that would be 6. Okay. And divide that by two, mm-hmm. Keep and that going. would be three. Now I can't divide that by two and get a whole number. Is that right. what you're exactly? Okay, so I do what again? You multiply by three, nine, and add one, ten. So we have uh, we started out twelve, six, three. Now we're ten, and divide that by two. Mm-hmm. So that's five. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to multiply times three and add one. So, so that's, that's 16, sixteen, eight, four, two. And divide that by two, one. Now, if we multiply by that by th- if we multiply that by 3 and add 1, we're back to 4, four 2, 1, one. 4, two, and it's, 1. Yeah, I see. So we entered this loop. Now, the thing that's amazing is, um, well, I don't know, pick another number. Um, what about 7? Okay. All right. Well, so that I, cannot be divided by 2. Right. So times 3 is 21 plus 1 is 22. Divide that by 2. Mm-hmm. 11 mm-hmm. times 3, 33, 34 mm-hmm. is 17. Times 3, 51, add 1 is 52. Half that is 26, divided by 2 is 13, 39, 40, to 20, to 10, to 5, 16, 8, 4, 2, 1. So it happened and again. we go back down. So okay. the amazing thing is, is that nobody knows if this always happens. Nobody. It's been extensively studied. Does this always happen? You pick a number. So if I picked 47,682,911, we don't know. Well, actually, that one's known. Actually, oh, what's known? <laughs> what this has actually been checked up to some colossal number. The last time I looked at looked this up, it was it's known that if you pick any number up to like a ten to the fiftieth power, <laughs> well, then, uh, okay. then in fact it does work out. But but it's still an open question. We can't assume if every number up to ten to the fiftieth uh, has worked. You know that's the beautiful thing about mathematics. No, you can't. You mean there might still be a number? There really might be. And and for for example, here's a here's a theorem that sounds true, and I can mm-hmm. check it up to ten to the fiftieth power, and it works for all of those numbers up to that, and so it must be true, right? Right. Every number is less than ten to the fifty-first power. Yes. Okay. Yes. Obviously, that's right. not true, right? Right. So uh, no, you have no idea. We have no idea. And it's but it's funny. There's a whole book just on this. Now, it's now been who extensively was, studied? Who was Collett? Collitz, Collitz, C-O-L-L-A-T-Z, and I don't know. Oh, all I know is that I didn't. I, did, I should have. Well, certainly, okay, but I am going to assume since it's called the Collitz function that a Ms. or Mr. Collitz had something to do with Presum- working on this. <laughs> Presumably, okay. you never know. Okay. Though the history of mathematics and science is filled with all kinds of things. No assumptions. That, right. <laughs> now, how does how should this keep me awake at night that we don't know? No, not really. But it's just a fascinating example of just, again, you know, simple rules leading to strange and unusual things. Right. So um, I forgot to mention that a truly malicious example is to ask somebody to begin with the number 27.
We have a little puzzle this week. Okay. This comes to us from uh, correspondent Jeff Yoke, who's written me uh, with many interesting things. The idea is um, I want to start talking about a little bit about procedures and things that you can do with procedures. And mm-hmm. so here's a very simple puzzle. Okay. So you get a very limited set of instructions to work with. Now, um, two robots parachute onto some sort of number line, onto the number line, mm-hmm. onto the, you know, every every moment the robots are at some position. It could be two, it could be 100. Right. And now um, they both drop their parachute, they're standing on their parachute, and now they begin to execute some program that you've written with the instructions that I'll, I'll give that you okay. can use. And um, the idea is that the... Uh, the robots need to be programmed in such a way that they'll eventually collide. Head on. Now, they don't – not necessarily – we'll just run into each okay, other. Okay, right. Now, um, the thing is they don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. They don't know where they are relative to the other robot. Mm-hmm. And so somehow you've got to come up with a set of just simple rules that they can follow that eventually they'll hit each other. So what we're going to do is each robot will have a list of instructions, instruction number one, instruction number two, instruction number three, and so forth, up mm-hmm. to some – number of instructions. Right. Probably not too many. Okay. And each instruction will be of the following form. It'll be either move left one, mm-hmm. move right one, mm-hmm. go to instruction number whatever, or go to instruction number whatever if you're standing on a parachute. Okay. Okay. Those are the instructions. That's, that's it. So for example, you could have instruction number one is go left one space, and instruction number two is go to instruction number one. Ah, so you keep going left. And then you would just keep going left, right. right? Or you could do something a little more complicated. You could say instruction number one is go to the left. Instruction number two is go to instruction four if you're standing on a parachute. Instruction number three is go to instruction number one. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, move one left. Right. And instruction four is go to the right, and instruction five is go to four. So let's just trace this through. So you're you're sort of there. It's kind of – you have to kind of think about – Right. To catch it. So if you're not on a parachute, what you do is you go to the left and mm-hmm. then you have this – and then you check to see if you're standing on a parachute. And if you're not, then you go back to instruction one and you keep going to the left. Right. So you just keep so going keep to the left. You keep moving to the left. And now if you step on a parachute, presumably the other robot's parachute, right. then you would then go to instruction four. Mm-hmm. You'd branch off to instruction four. And instruction four says, OK, go to the right. And then five says go back to the instruction four. So you just keep going to the right. So the effect of that would be – is that you uh, go to the left until you hit a parachute, and then you'd start going right. Right. Okay? So with just these simple, simple lists of instructions, can you set it up so that the two robots have to eventually collide? They have the same program. It's a finite list of instructions. They don't know where they are on the number line, and somehow they have to hit each other. And they both have the same instructions. And they have the same So you couldn't program one to be going left. Oh, yeah, that's right. And one to be going right so you would know. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, that'd be flawed anyway because you don't know which one's on that's the That's true, that you could just have them continually yeah, going right. further away from each other that's if right. you're not careful. That's right. So w- write the instructions that will eventually mandate that they have to that hit they each have other. To hit each you other. don't necessarily know how long that'll take. And, and an instruction can't be, you know, go left and right quickly no, no, no. until you hit something. No, no, no. Again, it's just simply right. go to the left, go to the right. Go to instruction number whatever. Go to instruction number whatever if you're standing on a parachute. So this is basic programming type stuff. Yeah, it is. With no memory, no nothing, just right. simple moronic instructions. Oh, this is interesting. That's the idea is that like a language, a programming language is a specific list of possible building blocks. And yeah. 
and that you can combine those in different kinds of ways. This reminds me of in third grade, our teacher, Mrs. Hogel, had us, it was an instruction, it was, it was a lesson on how to write instructions. And the idea was an alien has come to earth and doesn't know how to do basic things, write the instruction for him. And she gave each one of us, how do you shampoo your hair? Mm. Uh, how do you, and we were in third grade, so it wasn't anything about driving, but how do you cross the street or... And she gave us like 10 minutes, uh -huh. and we wrote it down. And each one of us thought we had it. I mean, no one took the full 10 minutes. It was the simple stuff. And then we came up to the class, in front of the class, and would, well, no. You know, you forgot this about shampoo. And it was an exercise oh, about wow. think of everything you do and how hard that is to teach someone. That's a hard exercise. It was. Well, see, here it's, here it's even more restrictive because you have a very specific True. set of allowed statements. Right. And that's really an important feature. Right. And it, but it's also a more restricted sphere of things that you'd be interested, you know, that you want right. to do. You just want to shuffle this number to that number place. Yeah. All right. Fun. So send your uh, best instructions to mathfactor.uark.edu or mathfactor at uark.edu. And then uh, if you find this too easy, try the collets function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let us know what happens once you get to 10 to the 52nd, yeah, if that's still working great. out. All right. I'm talk to you again. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I'm Goodman Strauss, math professor at the University of Arkansas.